Sportsnet today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Well, welcome back. Sportsnet today. I'm Patrick Dumas. Joining me is Ryan Pike, managing editor from Flames Nation. Uh, it's a Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota. They are in the Emerald City taking on the Seattle Kraken tonight. Of course, they were playing last night as well against the Edmonton Oilers. A little Battle of Alberta action. 2-1 they fell in an, oh, you know. Well, you know, you, you, the McDavid guy, man. Yeah, you know, you, they, uh... they held him in for, what, 47 minutes in check? <laughs> And it's it's like it's like uh, I imagine it's like skating on the ice with a live tiger. Oh where, my god! Uh, if you give it too much space and make it remember it's a tiger, it can yeah. be deadly for you. <laughs> like anytime, like Rick Ball would say, "Oh, fl- uh, well, there's back to another power play." I just perk up and like, "Oh, okay, here we go. Got to watch this because the start of the game was little, little, little rough, which was expected. Lethargic coming out of a, a whole holiday break and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, everyone was working off the turkey. I think both teams <laughs> sort of had uh, informal skates the day before. Then the Oilers traveled down the morning of and mm-hmm. you know it's it's the kind of game where you're hoping by the end of the first period you resemble an NHL team and I thought you know it mm-hmm. it it was a little bit uh herky jerky early on and then turned into a really good hockey it game. Did. I mean we've you know we we always choke uh you know in the in the business about ho- covering hockey kind of becomes a job mm-hmm. with a capital J about halfway <laughs> through the season you have your January games in the middle of the week, you know, against Dallas or Minnesota or Nashville. And, you know, there's hardly a scoring chance Mm -hmm. or a pass to Mm -hmm. be connected. This was not that. No, exactly. This was, I think there was 19289 left that building feeling like they had gotten their money's worth, even if uh, a Mm -hmm. certain proportion of the population was unhappy with the result. Yeah, and and as we are, we're going to be entering the the dog days of the hockey season coming up here in January and February. It's just the the, dragging out, dragging out. But then you get these games. Too bad this is the last uh, Oiler-Flames game, at least for the regular season this year. Uh, but yeah, they compared to the other ones in the playoffs, and then you know a little bit last year. This was a nice little low key, low event, but it you know some big saves. Obviously, Markstrom and Stuart Skinner were, were Ooh, off the charts. That, that, there was a second period power play the Oilers had where they got I think four or five good chances, mm-hmm. and at least twice on one timer plays, you know cross uh, cross zone seam passes that Markstrom completely anticipated. And there was one where he did like a diving save mm-hmm. uh, to knock out the uh, from the lower side of the net, and one that he got his upper body over and got a you know, another one timer save on dry sidle. I mean, you you can't fault the goaltender for how that game went. <laughs> no. you, I don't think you can fault the goal if you're a goalie fan. That was a fun game on both sides because you mm-hmm. know as much as you know it's we don't t- we're not going to talk about too much in this city. But Stuart Skinner has been a really fun story league-wide, oh, yeah. just in terms of how you know it, he seemed to be easily the second man in the totem pole. But he's you know, starting with that game against the Flames on October 15th. He really came in, made 31 saves, saved their bacon in that game, and made it a much closer game than it probably should have been. Yeah. And then since then, he's sort of taken the reins in Edmonton. And, you know, it's for folks who watched him in the dub, you know, he, when he was with the Swift Current Broncos, he came through here quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Hitman fans are very familiar with him and probably didn't like him very much <laughs> when he was playing for uh, other Western League clubs. Uh, and I imagine they probably don't like him very much now. No, I mean, it's the it's the thing with like, you, like, I think like Francis brought up on his show and he brought it up in the broadcast yesterday. It was, you know, like, where would the Oilers be without Stuart Skinner and you know, where he would be compared to, you see what Jack Campbell's doing. And then, 
but with the Flames as well, with J- Jacob Markstrom, who, uh, you know, it was another game where the, 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 they outshot the team, almost the, the other team, the op- opposition, two to one, it felt like, a lot of things. And then, you know, Markstrom made the big save on Pugliarvi. Like, he was in it. Uh, you know, Backlund hit the post uh, there with four seconds left. Could have had that one go to overtime. But, you know, it was a fun game. You know, you, you'd like to see the point streak continue. But uh, nonetheless, it's uh, what the hell. You know, 2-1, Oilers win. Uh, on again, they're back at it tonight. Uh, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with Flames warm-up. Uh, Pat Steinberg will host that. And then uh, leading up to 8 o'clock with the Flames. And the Seattle Kraken out at the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. One of the cooler buildings in the National Hockey League. Yeah. Hey, folks, if you want to just make your head spin. So the, the Kraken ownership and Oakview Group spent a, over a billion dollars building the building. Their choices were, uh, I'll give a cheap plug to my, uh, to my friend uh, <laughs> Jeff Baker, uh, who covers uh, the, the Seattle Kraken for uh, one of the newspapers out there. Uh, I believe he's at Seattle Times, but mm-hmm. if, if it's not the Seattle Times, I apologize. No, it but, is Seattle Times. Uh, We've had Jeff on before. Actually, yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff wrote a book yeah. called Into the Deep uh, about how A, Seattle got a team, and B, how Seattle got an arena. And the oh, it's 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 basically, yeah. you know, it's, imagine if somehow the television show Dallas was about building <laughs> a, an arena and getting a hockey team because there was so much weird stuff. You know, it's, it's a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they the choice was basically building the arena out in the boonies. Basically, mm-hmm. you know how everyone criticizes Ottawa for having their arena well outside of actual Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like that. So their choice mm-hmm. was building it, you know, basically out by the airport by Tacoma, mm. or you could, you know, bite the bullet and figure out something creative. And they ended up, I think basically uh, they couldn't, they, they took the old key arena, mm-hmm. put yep. the old, dug it out, yep. put the old roof on posts and then built, an, they dug out an extra spot, extra space for it and built an arena under the existing roof. And yeah. It's it's just brilliant. It's no, it's, it's such a cool building. It's cooler, and I like how they have the the two separate scoreboards, not the traditional one hanging over the center. They the, got windows. Yeah, they got you got you can have it's like a field house. Yeah, you can have daylight. It's 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 I think eighty percent below grade, and you know you have people peering in the windows, being like, oh, "What's going on here? A hockey game? That's kind of neat." <laughs> so I mean, the uh, you know the Western League clubs play yep. a few games there uh, mm-hmm. during the year, and you know it's. It's such a cool facility. So ho- hopefully it's a, a sign for more th- fun things to come in Seattle because, you know, it's it's such a cool town, such a cool sports mm-hmm. town. And, you know, they have a cool building for the Mariners. Yep. They have a cool building for the Sounders. They have a cool building for now the Kraken. Maybe mm. they get an NBA team eventually. I yep. don't know. That'd be yep. nice. No, I think, yeah, you definitely see the Supersonics coming back and moving in right back into there. That would be uh, amazing for sure. Uh, you were at the game last night. Uh, what would you? What was your takeaways really on that? On the Flames, you know, the, all the talk was uh, against the, the Oilers' power play and it coming in the thirty-two point three percent or whatever the heck it was, best all time. How did you take away from the the main takeaways from the Flames' paper, uh, power play last night or penalty kill? Sorry. Well, I thought their I thought their PK was generally good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first penalty kill, it was you know first period the Oilers didn't have their legs fully moving, so they you know the Oilers barely got in the zone. Probably one of the better PKs the Flames have had this season. Yeah. The second one, the Oilers won the faceoff, and then it was the Jacob Markstrom show, and then the third one was 12 seconds long they lost the face off and then boom boom it's in the back of your mm-hmm. net and you know yeah, that's what happens against the Oilers I thought yep. the Flames power play itself was you know pretty good did everything but score I think uh, we got uh, Daryl Sutter to make a rare cultural reference he referenced <laughs> get smart with his missed it by that much and it shows my age that I, like, uh, I was talking to my fiance about that she's like did he he's referencing a show that started in 1965 
But yeah, I mean, Daryl Daryl Sutter is up with the culture these days. It's but, you know, yeah, but uh, yeah, he he's he's not wrong. Like they, you know, they they Tyler Toffoli rang one off the post in the Flames power play. They mm-hmm. had a few open nets. They just couldn't quite bury chances on. And you know, I think if you're looking in a you know in a macro sense, uh, the Flames season encompassed in a 60 minute hockey game. I think you could look at that Flames Oilers game on uh, on Tuesday because the Flames forty seven shots, uh, only one goal. How many great chances they have? Probably about I think uh, high danger chances according to Natural Stat Trick, where they believe sixteen to six. So mm. Flames owned them at even strength, couldn't bury anything. They Just another bad luck type game. It's yeah, similar to that Montreal game a few like you know in early December where you know outside of the Markstrom. But gaff to start the game, it was all flames in that one. So yeah, but they're 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 they play the they have yeah. the type of luck and are playing the type of hockey right now. Where you know you you mentioned the the Markstrom gaff and mm-hmm. you know the Montreal game. I mean mm-hmm. they owned Montreal, but yeah. it was just all you can really think about is they have the one mistake. I mean you know you look at uh, you know poor, poor Andrew Mangiapane takes two offensive zone penalties, and he's mm-hmm. a guy that has been so good for them for so long. But if you look back at the game, the thing that pops out your mind is. Ooh, you can just avoid that taking that penalty in the third period against Darnell Nurse. All of a sudden, yep. it's a completely different game. Maybe yep. you get to overtime. Maybe maybe you just keep owning it five on five and you score. But they're in a position now where you know when they make these mistakes, these gaffes, mm-hmm. these you know quirks they're in the game. Yeah, they they just they have you know for whatever reason every every mistake they make turns into a hand grenade in their own end. Yep. And you know I don't know what they can do to <laughs> stop it because you know if they if they just if they play the type of game against. Every other team that they played against Edmonton, they probably get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They probably get to where they want to be. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're playing so well and not getting the results, I think mentally, you know, uh, the the second guessing might get in. And you know, Mark Giordano, when he was uh, in the organization, regularly spoke about how they play. You know, this was during you know, I think even before Jeff Ward. You know, during the Bill Peters years, during the Glenn Galtz mm-hmm. years, even they play really good possession hockey, and then they'd make a mistake and they get behind one, and then they'd have to cheat a bit, you know, to open up their defensive system to yeah. create more chances, which would lead to more chances against. And then, you know, a team that's supposed to be a, a structured defensive team suddenly is playing river hockey <laughs> and doesn't really resemble yeah. the Calgary Flames. And if you could, you know, pay a compliment to this year's Flames, very rarely do they not look like the Calgary Flames. Yeah, but. Very, they just aren't getting the results as consistently as I think they want. To. Yeah, they don't. They don't, like, and it, you just look at the stats. It's like they've got, I think, one more goal for than they did last year. It's it's the goals against, and maybe it's just it's the you you take away like Goudreau and Kachuk, and you take them off the team, and it's you don't have maybe the guys that can maybe break the game open as much anymore and can make up for mistakes as much. And this is this is this is going to be a team that has to win as a unit more collectively compared to as like, oh, well, Goudreau can have his, Kachuk can go off and make a game of it. It's going to have to be more of a more unit. Like, it's going to have to rely a lot more on yeah. Huberdeau, Kadri. And, and maybe, maybe you know, you know as I'm sure, you know, fans have been mm-hmm. have been following along with Daryl Sutter's post-game pressers and his mm-hmm. off-day pressers when he speaks with us. And I imagine a lot of folks are familiar with what he's saying last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he regularly bristled when asked specific things about specific players because... I think to Daryl, like if you look back at the, you know, the 04 Flames, that era of the Flames, it was yeah. the team being greater than the sum of its parts. It's sure you had a Jerome McGinley and you had a Mika Kiprasov, but 
you know, Jerome McKinley could not play 60 minutes a game. <laughs> I'm sure he'd want to, <laughs> sure, but he did, yeah. you know, that didn't seem like a great idea. And yeah. Mika Kiprasov, you know, if he looked, if he was playing like he had to be the second mm-hmm. coming of Jacques Plante every game, yep. something was seriously wrong. So in order to support your Aginla and to support your Kiprasov, you had to play really structured four-line, three-pairing hockey and just keep coming at the mm-hmm. other team. And that's, you know, aside from, you know, the fact that they didn't really you know, call penalties in 2004 uh, the way they do now. I mean, that's what worked. And, you know, they, they, I think if you look at how Daryl's looked at team building mm-hmm. since then, it's, you know, low ceiling or low floor, high ceiling players. You know, Trevor Lewis is a good example. Yeah. Trevor Lewis, is Trevor Lewis going to score you 40 goals a year? No. Is he going to give up a bunch of goals? No. Mm-hmm. And so you, you fill out your lineup with your Lewises and your Stones and guys like that, guys who can chip in goals but generally won't give up a lot. And then you just, find a way to to roll lines. And I think if you look at, this might be the most Suttery team that Sutter has coached because I don't know if there's an Anze Kopitar who will be a difference maker. I don't know if there's a, you know, uh, a Drew Doughty who will yeah. be a big difference maker in the blue line. Anderson might get there. I think Rasmus Anderson's definitely taking a yeah. big step this year. But I think if you look at sort of in the aggregate, how this team resembles some past, you know, Daryl Sutter championship teams, I think if you squint, you can sort of see, okay, I kind of see what he's doing here, and I kind of see why he's behaving and speaking the way he is, because if they can get everyone playing the same way, and for the most part, I think they have, then you have the ability to, over the course of a game, grind teams to dust. They've, they've, I'd say, you know, that game they played, I think it was last January in Dallas, where they were down, I think, 3-1 yes. after third two periods. Period they switched goalies. Dan Valera came in for the third period mm-hmm. just to, to change up the mojo. Yep. And they didn't really play a lot differently than they did in the first two periods. Mm-hmm. But they just, you could just sort of see at a point where Dallas just went, okay, we're giving up. Like, they just been checked and forechecked and mm-hmm. just hounded so much that they just sort of started making silly mistakes because they were just fatigued they were gun shy they were whatever term you want to use Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably what Daryl wants them to be playing like on a 60 minute basis and when they have done that they've had a lot of success yeah you look at the last road trip they got the points in four uh seven and eight and then you come home you're you you deserve something last night but that style of game carried over and I think it you know bring it up again tonight it'll it'll be there and in Seattle this is a team that they allow a lot of goals lately, you know. Like Martin Jones has been solid, but it's still, you know, is is eight ninety nine. I think it's eight ninety nine save percentage. Still a, a goals against. It's near up near three. So there's still a lot of you know chances that you can have tonight to try get your goals going again. Uh, so yeah, and that's nationally televised game in the states also. It doesn't matter to Canadians. I know that. But it's, it's a it's a big, it's cool. the, it's a big the, flames, the Flames are a big draw, and honestly, yeah. like, I think. You know, Seattle, I know, you know, you could you could basically hear the tittering last year mm-hmm. after the first month. Like, I mean, Seattle had so much bad luck in yeah. a way. Like, the <laughs> Vegas organization, obviously, they had, you know, the, mm-hmm. the tragedy they had to deal with as an organization. And, you know, you never mm-hmm. want to have to go through things like that. But I think, in general, their team building and the way that the, the, the Golden Knights were embraced by the community, there was no way that was going to be replicated. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the first modern expansion draft, everyone involved had a chip on their shoulder. They, they coined themselves the gold misfits and they were just such a fun team to watch and it was just mm-hmm. one of those unique success stories that I, again i think was impossible to replicate which i think well then everybody else in the league figured themselves out like we're and, not and, doing and this we're not trading well, like, even this. even if you look at you know how the how the flames behave <laughs> yeah. they're like okay you can either take one of the flames core defensemen or yep. their oldest player and give them a bunch of cap space and yeah i think you know shoe on the other foot i think the flames would probably you know leave mark giordano exposed again because mm-hmm. of what it allowed them to do and you know i think with seattle they i don't think they had 
it was much more. I was using this in a conversation with a, a friend of mine in Seattle last week. I think they were much more of sort of a hodgepodge of guys compared to what the the Golden Knights were. And then you yeah. combine, you know, Seattle lost guys to injury. They lost guys to COVID. They had a weird travel schedule because the building wasn't ready when yeah. they started the season. Like so many weird things happening in the periphery of the of the Kraken, along with the sort of in the back of their heads. If you're if you're a Kraken fan or a Kraken player, you probably thought who's actually going to be around here after the first trade deadline. Yeah. And so I think this year's team much more resembles what, you know, Ron Francis and his crew mm-hmm. see the team becoming. And I think because they, it more resembles their team concept, they're they look more like a hockey team rather yeah. than sort of a bunch of guys thrown together. Yeah. And at full credit, I think a lot of people were on Dave Haxtall before the start of the year. This was a guy that for who's the first coach fired. Who's it's, it's gotta be Dave Haxtall. It's gotta be because I know like talking to, to Jeff Baker in the preseason, you know, the fans weren't going to take another bad start, regardless of excuse or whatnot. They wanted to see this team at least compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. And, and here they are. And and shockingly, I know this will shock anyone that sort of followed this hockey club mm-hmm. of last while. When you get good goaltending, yeah. it, it helps. And like last Same. year, <laughs> last year, you know, they had, you know, between Drieger and I forget who else they had. Grubauer. Uh, Grubauer was hurt, hurt yeah. a bunch. Like they use a bunch of different goalies. Joey and like you know, uh, talking to Kelly Rudy, like one of the, one of the biggest educations I've had in hockey was watching a preseason game with Kelly Rudy because I think it was one of the years where the Flames changed out in their entire goalies, you know, both their goalies in the tandem, mm-hmm. and they got like two or three new defensemen. And if you're a goalie, you have to know you have to know where your defensemen are going to be, and vice versa. And you know, as we've seen this year, you know, when you change out some big pieces, there there's a learning curve, and I think. The with Seattle, you were you had Grubauer dealing with health issues. You had Grubauer dealing with mm-hmm. a completely new group of guys he never yeah. played with before. A goaltending tandem he never worked with before. I believe they hadn't worked with a goalie coach before. Yeah. So I mean, all this <laughs> new, new, new stuff. And now this year, you know, Grubauer is healthy, knock on wood, and yeah. he seems to be to find his mojo. They brought in Martin Jones, and Martin Jones has sort of fit them like a glove. And yeah. you know, you. I know. I think folks once they saw Chris Trieger was hurt went, oh, here we go again, Seattle. Uh, you could just hear, you know, Kraken fans cringing about mm-hmm. the possibility of another lost season or a season that sort of adrift the way last year's mm-hmm. were. But Jones has been excellent, yeah. and Grubauer has been really good, and because of that, they don't really have that kind of tentativeness in their game that we saw last year. And as a result, like we we saw it here when they played the Flames yeah. in November, Come they back. were they were <laughs> so good, and they were a team that they could have packed it in. You know, after two periods, going oh, you know, the Flames scored those two early mm-hmm. goals in that third period. You could basically, you know, any other team, any other coach, maybe they go, eh, well, we tried, try to try again next mm-hmm. game. See, good good work, guys. Pack it in, just. You know, no. try not to get hurt the rest of the, the rest of the period, but they also realized they had 18 minutes or 17 minutes left, and mm-hmm. just came at the Flames. Yeah. And I think the the Flames weren't prepared for that. It was yeah. it was a really dramatic finish and a bit heartbreaking for the Flames. But I'm sure if you're looking from the other fan base's perspective, if you're a Kraken fan, that might end up being one of the defining yeah. victories of this early franchise history because yeah. of what it represented within their division. Exactly, because like you look at it the same. I think that was the Flames were still riding high after a quick start, and that was yeah. kind of the game that. You know, shook them yeah. up and kind of put them into the little that's bit of sort a of when, downturn. When, that's when the wheels fell off. Yeah. It was the first ever win Seattle had against the Flames. Yeah. So yeah. if you're an expansion team, last year's division winner, mm-hmm. last year's team that you know ran your show, you came into their barn and beat them in the third period in a mm-hmm. game that you were trailing. That's yeah. huge. And I think you know, chewing the other foot, I'm sure the Flames coming off a, a, a tough loss uh, on Tuesday night, going into Seattle for the first time this season, yeah. they're probably thinking, okay. 
you uh, you made us look a little bit foolish on our, our ice. Well, turned about it's fair play or fair play, right? Yeah. Haven't uh, heard who's going to be starting. Likely probably Dan Valadar going on uh, back-to-back nights, but we'll see. We don't know what these goalies any no more, but we'll find <laughs> out soon. Uh, again, uh, 7 o'clock, Flames warm up right here on Sportsnet 96. The Fan, if you're watching on Sportsnet West, Pat Steimer's got you there, and then Derek and Lou got the call a little bit after 8 o'clock. Andy Eide uh, covers the Seattle Cracker for NHL.com. will be joining us at 2.05 to break down What's going on with the crack and Matty Beniers, man? This guy's probably going to win the Calder Trophy. What's going to happen with Shane Wright after the World Juniors? So lots to get into with the Kraken again. Uh, elsewhere uh, around the world of sports, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, they've uh, benched Derek Carr as the starting quarterback for the final two games of the uh, regular season. They're going to be rolling with Jared Stidham uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, to close out, uh, Derek Carr had three interceptions in that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, he's got, uh, I believe, 14 of it on the year now. So, and this is and, not, 91 and, consecutive starts he had made for the Vegas Gold, uh, for the Vegas Golden Raiders, Vegas Raiders at quarterback. Uh, so, uh, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, I don't know. They could, this could be a time where Vegas could get out with Derek Carr. Like they could try to, hey, well, this ain't working out anymore. And they brought in Devontae Adams, like, go and play with your best friend and everything. And, not looking good right now as the Raiders are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, and, there, and there's there's times in, in all people's lives, all all sports organizations, where you can just look at things and go, well, this ain't working for either side. <laughs> and in the NFL, I think the the NBA maybe a little bit more, but in the NFL, mm-hmm. they have the ability to get creative. Yep. And, you know, when guys look like they're not at home anymore, they have a way of finding their way to other places. So that, that I think, is going to be a, an interesting storyline to follow as we head into the, the, the offseason and the playoffs. Yeah, this is, uh, this is you know, this is, does Vegas try and do something else at the quarterback position? Do they move out from Derek Carr? I know Carr would probably look good in a few places. I think he's, I think he's still got some ability in him. I just, I don't know, maybe he's the new coach. I don't, I don't know about Josh McDaniels. We say, oh, it's the offensive guru and whatnot, but... So everywhere he seems to go, it just does not seem to work out, and everything he touches does not turn to gold right now. And uh, when he gets out from underneath Bill's shadow, it does it never looks good. Re- yeah, re- repu- there's a, the reputations tend to be made to be broken in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Where there, how many times have you heard like this? This guy <laughs> is the the offensive whisper. That, you know this this big name head coach. This is the real guy yeah. doing the work. And then I think two thirds of the time they get on their own, and it doesn't quite work out. I mean. It happens. I mean, running your own offense, running th- running the whole mm-hmm. show is a, a very different skill set than being a play call specialist. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, again, Vegas, uh, they uh, I don't even know who the heck they got this week. Uh, probably somebody. I mean, I know they're not making the, the playoffs. So uh, they got. Oh, yeah. They got San Francisco this week. So lovely throw. Jared Stidham, who's never started an NFL game to the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who are an absolute buzzsaw. I, um. I have some close friends. Uh, my my uh, a friend of mine in uh, San Francisco is, a, as you'd expect, a gigantic Niners fan. Of to course, the point yeah. where you know he's converted his wife, who does not care about the NFL <laughs> at all. But they their Christmas, I think their Thanksgiving photos was just a weird mismatch of Arizona Cardinal stuff. And uh, yeah, it was it was a very it was it was a fascinating look at how a blended family blends together yeah. their fan bases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Force the kid uh, to wear this color, even though maybe they don't want to, but uh, the, who the knows? <laughs> grandma and grandpa love this team. Therefore <laughs> you like put it on. I, I'm sure, sh- I'm sure, I'm sure there's uh, a, yeah. the, the uh, there's a, a, a version of uh, the hockey sweater going on oh, yeah. throughout the world. Oh, as of course. People have very conflicted fan base allegiances. 
in their 100%, families. 100%. Week 17, of course, gets underway tomorrow night with the uh, Dallas Cowboys and the Tennessee Titans. Again, it's a Calgary Flames game day brought to you by South Point Toyota there in Seattle, getting ready to take on the Kraken. Uh, we'll maybe find out some uh, news uh, who's going to be in net before we're up. Uh, probably not, but uh, stick with us. Uh, Sportsnet today. I'm Patrick Dimaj. Joining with me is Ryan Pike. Uh, up next, Flames color analyst Peter Labardius, the busy man that he is. We'll talk, uh, of course, Flames Oilers from last night, set up tonight. And uh, maybe he's got a little eye on the World Juniors as well as Canada will play game two tonight against Germany, looking to shake off, uh, get their first win of the tournament after falling 5-2 to Czechia. That, that just sounds weird to, yeah. to hear. They, <laughs> and, uh, and, of course, uh, I don't the, know. Really, I believe it was the first time that Czechia has ever beaten yep, Canada at that juniors. event, which yep. is an amazing, like, We've we've seen I think one of the cooler stories over in hockey over the last I think decade has been the ascension of Czechia and Slovakia yes, back. you know as <laughs> as hockey powers because yeah. in you know back back in the eighties back when we were talking about the Iron man. Curtain yeah. they were they were a powerhouse it and was, then they had to find their way back it was Canada USSR Czechoslovakia was probably three yeah I would think and then time. and then America took you know yep. finally you know USA hockey turned yep. the corner and you know we've 90s, seen the, yeah. the ascension of the USHL as a as a, a feeder league yep. for for all these teams and but I think you know it's so it's mm-hmm. so cool seeing you know especially you know at the Olympics we saw you know Slovakia have such a good tournament yeah. and you know the 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 ascension of of Yurislavskovsky yep. so yeah it's going to be this is this is why we watch these tournaments yep. because you're going to see something you don't expect to see Every time. I do like a neutral sometimes, you know, in a neutral battle, you know, you love it. You know, obviously you like to see Canada do well, but, you know, anytime you see Czechia or Slovakia, like the countries, you know, fight with Canada, like, hey, we can go toe-to-toe with the best. It's hey, pretty I, good. And, and the nice thing is a competitive tournament's good for everybody. Exactly. Iron sharpens iron, and then we don't have to listen to the discourse of, oh, I don't know, why are all these other countries in this why tournament? Why is Team Europe in this thing? Hmm. Uh, no. Why is Team North America in this thing? Hmm. Yeah. In <laughs> Austria, Vincennes Rohr, uh, the, the Habs pick. Yeah. Missed the first game. Hopefully he's back healthy because he's, you know, Ottawa 67's kid. He's he's very, very like good. 67's like their Austrians. Marco Rossi. Yeah. And uh, I hear Jack I hear Jack Beck's close to coming back. Mm. That's good news. Hopefully. Good I like kid. Jack Beck. Everyone loves Jack Beck. I like Jack Beck. Uh, cheap plug for Scott uh, Scott Wheeler <laughs> at the Athletic did uh, last season. If you Google Scott Wheeler Jack Beck, and you'll learn about the term kidney contusion, mm. which is as bad a medical thing as it sounds like. I don't like that. Okay, Sportsnet today will continue after the break. Again, the Peter Labardius coming up right here. Sportsnet nine six the fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet nine sixty the fan. Calgary Flames game day. They are in Seattle taking on the Seattle Kraken. Second of a back-to-back. We'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with Flames warm-up. 8 o'clock, we'll hear the call with this gentleman and his partner, Derek Wills. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come on in, enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. And Lou is brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should reflect of who you are. Give you give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Lou, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? I am good. Thank you kindly. 
Oh, boy. Hi. So, well, the Flames, they played last night against the uh, Edmonton Oilers. They dropped a close decision 2-1. Of course, uh, 97 got his. Uh, they did uh, did a pretty bang-up job on him for about 47 minutes and then finally uh, got him on the power play. But what are some of your observations from last night? I know it was a little bit of a slower start to the game coming out of the holiday break, but uh, what are your takeaways from uh, overall from last night's uh, 2-1 setback? I'll be honest. I think the overall 60 minutes was some of the best hockey they've mm. played in a game all season long. I, I left the rink last night despite the loss and some of the same recurring problems in terms of ability to finish off more opportunities and maybe do a little better job getting to the inside of the rink for more screens and maybe a couple more second and third shot opportunities. I, I really liked the Flames game last night. I, I thought, you know, a team that's built to check for their chances, the way they were able to do it against McDavid, Dreisaitl, and company. You know, I know he scored the winning goal, but to hold Connor McDavid to one shot yeah. on goal in a game, um, you really can't do it, Patty, much better. Um, so, you know, whether you're an analytics person and, and it's the shot attempts and 48 or 47 on net in comparison to 22, I thought Jacob Markstrom, mm-hmm. you know, despite a difference in the amount of shots, probably made as many, if not more, 10 bellers than even Mr. Skinner did at the other end of the ring. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I know it wasn't two points and it wasn't even one, but I would never want not to be in favor of the flames playing hockey games like that. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure outside of a couple of things and, you know, a couple of unnecessary penalties, mm-hmm. which you never want to feed that group, any power plays that you absolutely don't have to, I don't I don't have a lot of negative things to say about that effort and that performance. Yeah, same here. Like Jacob Markstrom, he's been hitting uh, I think he's finally reaching that Markstrom peak again, uh something that's been a little bit worrisome of late, but I think he's finally found that stride. Do you kind of see that uh, as well with uh, with Jacob Markstrom that he's getting back to his uh, old form? Yeah, and you know what? Um Patrick, one of the problems in trying to assess Jacob this year is you just you can't do it on numbers alone Mm -hmm. you just can't um you know last night's another example you know when you give up two on 22 probably doesn't you know help your save percentage um but he was a fabulous player and he's really for me been trending in the right direction I think about you know, some some very key saves Friday night when you needed them the yeah. most in Anaheim. Um, even though the second game in San Jose ends up 7-3 at 3-3, I thought down the stretch of that game in particular, he was their best player. He just said, you're not scoring. And made all the key saves at all the right time. So, you know, Jacob is is having the type of year that, I'm not sure he's ever going to have numbers-wise Patrick the year that he yeah. had last year. And again, if you only, when you assess the sport, and it is the way a lot of 
you know, with no disrespect, younger people look at it. Mm -hmm. They have a very analytical way of looking at it. And the numbers don't always lie. But I think his body of work has actually been a lot better than the numbers have indicated. And you're, yes, the last two or three weeks, he absolutely has been at a very high level. Hey, Lou. It's, uh, it's Pike here. How you doing? I'm good, pal. How are you? I'm excellent. I, I was... I'm one of those numbers people, and I yeah. was I was digging into <laughs> – I was really curious. So a, a trend that's emerged with the Flames, and I'm curious your take on it. The Flames have, I think, like a third of their games this year, 11 times out of 36 outings, put up 40 or more shots in their opposition. They've only managed to win three of those games. So my my that's my preamble to my question to you. Do, uh, do you think the Flames are getting enough shot quality? Because they're definitely getting volume on the opposition, and they're definitely controlling the, the pace of the game – for large stretches of time. But like you mentioned, you know, Jacob Markstrom, I think probably had to be the sharper goaltender, especially at key times than Stuart Skinner, even though Skinner faced, you know, twice as many shots. Well, needless to say, um, we both watch and I, you know, I respect the heck out of your work ethic. Um, No, I don't break things down to the same extent, but, um, you know, and, and frankly, Ryan, it's why I get a little frustrated with with certain analytics because, you know, especially now one of the new ones, expected goals, which I've come to learn, you know, in some ways is maybe more a telltale sign of how your goaltender is playing. Um, but your question is simple for me. And yes, maybe not necessarily last night, but. I'm all about the amount of quality chances you get in comparison to the quality chances that you give up. And the only thing that I bicker with sometimes even, you know, when it comes to high danger is sometimes my definition. And I think even teams who break it down even more so what their definition is of high danger doesn't always match because it has to come from the home plate area. Well, I see a lot of dangerous rushes and opportunities that, yes, the majority of them come from there, Ryan, and, yes, the majority of goals are scored, you know, in that really four- to five-foot window in and around your net. But, no, they, they on the whole, have not created enough quality. Last night, for me, they did. They did, but probably still needed, again, to do a better job of getting to the inside of the rink and paying a little bit more of a price. But I liked their game last night, and, and I do think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm good last night. Listen, and here's another one, uh, Mr. Pike. I don't know if you put a lot of stock in, but it's one I do put a lot of stock in. And that is the Flames had the puck in their control for more than six minutes than the Edmonton Oilers last night. That one, that one matters to me a lot. So when I look at possession, you know, and Derek will read both of those numbers off at the end of the period, I'm always more concerned about offensive zone time than the breakdown through the whole shot scenario about what possession is in that analytics world. 
and and one more from me. I'm I'm just really curious from from my vantage point, which is directly across from you in the press box. I I thought that was one of the the better games in terms of puck management for the Flames in terms of efficiently getting out of their own zone, you know, making that quick pass to get into the neutral zone and get speed going. And I, when you mentioned the the amount of time they had the puck in the offensive zone, that I think that matches the proverbial eye test because it seemed like they were doing things to keep to hold on to the puck, to protect the puck, to maintain possession. The the goal that Michael Backlund scored was at this end of a really nice long sequence where I think right after an icing they they had put the backline line on against Nugent Hopkins's line. And then they just ran the show. They cycled the puck. They won puck battles. They did what they needed to do to, you know, pay the, the pay the price physically to hold on to possession and to, to cycle. And I, I think, you know, much, much, I think just to reiterate what you said earlier, I think if they play that kind of hockey against pretty much every other team they do and just avoid taking that one costly penalty in that game, I think they they're gonna get where they want to go, but I think it's probably you know in that room they're probably shaking their heads a bit because it's it feels like an opportunity they had to to get some points in what's you know inevitably gonna be a really tight divisional race. It feels like they they had a chance to give themselves some breathing room, and unfortunately the chance went away from them. Well, it did, and you know we're all in the business of what we do in this market and what we do on sports radio, which is good because I I need this job immensely. Um, But, you know, one of the, one of my favorite ones too, Ryan is, you know, in this market and in Canadian markets, I think in particular, we now analyze what really seems like, 82 one game seasons rather than 182. And um, as somebody who has coached some sports, not at a high, high level, but have been around some high level teams my whole life and even worked with some in a different sport back in the day, the process does matter. And, and you are always trying to grow your team with every passing game and every passing week and every passing month, because, you know, you want to make the playoffs. It's never been harder. Everybody knows that, but you want to be and really have your game in great, in a great place. When you get there, efforts like last night would allow this team against a quality opponent to be successful at the most time of year, at the most important time of year. I, I, I'm not so sure Ryan, in my mind that that wasn't the team's best performance in every aspect of the entire season. That's how it made me feel. I know I might be on an Island where that is concerned, but I really liked their game last night. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit uh, about the opponent tonight, uh, the Seattle Kraken. Uh, I, the first meeting since uh, since October, I believe, where uh, the Kraken had their comeback against Seattle. And Pike and I talked about that in the first segment. Was it felt like that was uh, that could be a win that Seattle could really hang their hat on? Maybe this going forward, like that's a big win. It's their first win over the Calgary Flames, and obviously it's carried too. They're they're in a playoff spot. They're in a Pacific Division playoff spot. Seven uh, two and two against the Pacific Division. Uh, just talk about how good this uh, this Kraken group is. Well, Patrick, you know, in this case, 
there's been a few things that have happened for Seattle. And that is, even if you watch them, you know, in the back half of last year, they still, you know, Martin Jones is at least helped solidify. It looks like the Flames are going to get Grubauer tonight, who is still trying to find his, you know, his old form from Colorado in particular. Um, But when I think about this group, the eye test is that Dave Haxtall and his staff have them playing the right way. And, you know, they're third in the league as far as how many shots they give up on goal overall. And they have, I think, a pretty big, significant group on defense. They are hard to get to the inside of the rink. Um, You know, they have big bodies, but they have big bodies with some mobility who can move pucks to, you know, really a group of speedy forwards led for me by, you know, the fantastic 20-year-old second overall pick and Matty Beneers, but Andre Burakovsky has been a really nice fit. They bring four lines at you that all have a pretty good role and they're slotted well. And, you know, you got two-time Stanley Cup champion and Yanni Gord. Um, You know, Mm Wenberg's played better. You look at a lot of it, either eye test or even analytically, they've done a lot of good things. And, guys, the other part for me is what expectation was there on the Seattle Kraken? The answer is none. So everything they do has been, and it's been significant, and they're right in the hunt, and they have games in hand on everybody now after they jumped out and played a ton early. But the way they play gives them a chance. And and the only area that's surprised me is that I think they'd score 3.53 a game at this point. <laughs> no. But further to one of those stats that I do like, because I, I think people get me wrong. They, they think I don't like numbers and don't like set. No, 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 no. In fact, before the internet, came on board and before you could look everything up on their phone i would i would have challenged anybody to have a sports stats knowledge competition because it's all i did oh, yeah. it's all i had to do and i and i get to the odd game too <laughs> but the fact that they only give up 27 a night also tells me guess what you probably have the puck a lot. And Mr. Pike, I don't know if Seattle is an analytics darling or not, but I'm going to guess there's analytically some things, whether it's, I don't know, what, what do they call it, shot suppression, um, that are probably pretty good. When, when you have the puck a lot, that means the other team can't get shots on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's as crazy as this game seems to have become and as complicated as People want to make it sometimes still about, do you have the puck more than the other? What do you do when you're better? Um, You know, do you have people that can 
not only expect to score, but can. You get key saves when it matters. So, I know that's, as usual, my long-winded way of getting to my point, but I think you know my point. Yeah. Uh, one more for me on the Kraken, and I think this play, I appreciate this play. I think he's unappreciated in the league for what he's done, and I think, you, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you appreciate this guy a ton, Jordan Eberle. Eight goals, 17 assists for the Kraken this year. Under uh, like Just uh, what this guy's done with the Islanders and then you know what he did with Edmonton and how in Seattle. Nobody talks about this guy, but he just is just one of the most solid players in this league. Just a quick thought on Jordan Everly. Well, I mean, I, I've, I've had a pretty soft spot for Jordan for a long, long time. I mean, I actually remember him playing AAA hockey. Not that I was able to see it because they didn't live here outside of him playing in a national championship in, you know, U18 before he ever got to Regina and his Hockey Canada heroics in 09. And people even forget, guys, in the championship final, down 4-2 to the United States in the third period in Saskatoon in 2010. He scored two there to get Canada to overtime before... John Carlson ruined it for all of us. Well, maybe not all of us, but certainly ruined it for me. Um, So, you know, I've seen growth in his game. Uh, I really actually felt bad for Jordan when I wouldn't say that he got run out of town in Edmonton, but, you know, he had a, a tough playoff in 2017 when, you know, they ended up losing in the second round to Anaheim. And, He's a good. He's a good man. He, I think he's matured a lot, not only in his game but in his life. Chance, you know, when you think about people like Taylor Hall and Jordan Ever Everly, and obviously Ryan Nugent Hopkins is still there and maybe playing as well in some respects as he ever has. Mm-hmm. I I think those young three really struggled in their Edmonton days with. You know, they're making six million bucks a piece and, you know, you're 20, 21 years old and everybody's kind of throwing themselves at you in every which way, shape or form. You, you have access to things that you've never had before. And, and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and I, would, I would think if you sat down, certainly Jordan and certainly Taylor, I don't know if they disagree with, with that perspective, but... Yes, I have great appreciation for him. Always well. He's created some absolute magic for things that I care about deeply. And I've known him for a long time. So I did tell him once after that big goal in 2009 um, at a banquet that had had he and I been in the same room that day he scored in Ottawa, I probably would have kissed him right on the (laughs) cheek. Well-deserved, I think. Yeah, Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Little one, last one from me on the Kraken. Um, Yeah. They went through a lot of adversity last year. I mean, compared to a lot of clubs, it was a really challenging first season. And, you know, I I know different groups react to adversity in different ways. But, you know, looking at how they've started this season, do you think going through what they went through last season sort of helped them, I guess, gel as a group of people into the, the, the cohesive team they seem to be right now? Always. Always. Adversity always makes you better. If you learn from it, and if you do different. 
And as you know, Ryan, you know, don't ever forget about good health and good fortune in sports either. It matters. It matters immensely. And, you know, being the cap wizard, and I don't use that term lightly that you are, um, you know, you forgot more about that agreement than I'll ever know. And I have no trouble saying that. Um, To me, though, that matters even more because you're limited. And in their case, you know, you're thinking about each and every day. But if you're Ron Francis, you're you're also, you know, thinking big picture and incorporating young people and putting them in in very responsible spots and trying to surround them with the right kind of people and the right kind of veterans. And so, yes, I, I think it's benefited them greatly. But the other part is when they built their team, they really went in search of trying to build well from the back out. And I know the goaltending hasn't worked out all that well. Um, but in terms of that group, you know, on defense, that's where they went. And and I'm a big believer in that. And what they went through, absolutely. Some more buy-in, um, some better health, some additions. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're one of the true surprise stories. And I get the sense that they might be in, in the thick of it maybe right till the end. It's going to be hard for them. I think it's going to be hard for them, but they've sure put themselves in a nice spot now. Lou, thank you very much. Uh, you have a wonderful call tonight. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, guys. Always, always appreciate it very much. Enjoyed the visit. Take care. You too, buddy. Yep. Of course, Lou is brought to you by uh, the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Yes, Flames cracking tonight. 8 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. Watch it on Sportsnet West. Lou will be on the call alongside Derek Wills. Pat Steinberg will get you set up with Flames talk coming up at 4 o'clock, leading you up into uh, Flames warm-up at 7. Uh, busy day ahead here on the station as the Flames play the second of a back-to-back. This time, second game, second meeting of the year against the Seattle Kraken. Coming up next, we'll continue the talk about the Seattle Kraken with Andy Ide from the uh, from NHL.com covers the Seattle Kraken. That's next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.